The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study and specifically Friday Morning GM with co-host Voss Laricos. Voss, how are you doing? Doing great. Still flying high from that big uh, road divisional win last week. Really makes the whole week just fly by and the entertainment of just talking about this. In some ways, I'm, I'm really ready for the next football game. In other ways, I'm just basking in the complete glow of Baltimore sports right now with the Orioles riding high. Absolutely. Great time to be a Baltimore sports fan. Uh, Ravens specifically uh, might have been one of the toughest games on their slate. Mm-hmm. Going there, missing th- uh, six key players and uh, and pull out the W. Um, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know we, we need to talk about that in terms of how they realign this roster for six players. But I thought we'd look at the running back position specifically. And the Ravens have a lot of trouble keeping running backs healthy right now. Uh, obviously, Justice Hill this week. Uh, just went down with a with a turf toe injury, and uh, you know it's the kind of thing that can linger. Unfortunately, we saw it linger for for years, really, with Jonathan Ogden in terms of his toe. J.K. Dobbins already lost for the year. Keaton Mitchell on IR until week five, which was supposed to be plenty of time, uh, you know, for him to get over an injury. And and now the Ravens kind of really need him now, and not not uh, that before. Melvin Gordon had was activated off the practice squad this this week. Um, do you see him having a bigger role? Well, I, uh, some of it depends on Hill. The, the reports are mixed, whether he can play this week or a short-term turf toe, which uh, seems a little bit unusual to me because that is usually a longer-term injury. 
I actually think uh, Kenyon Drake, the the man that uh, was just reacquired and added to the practice squad, probably fits the Todd Monken offense a little bit better than Melvin Gordon at this point. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon, obviously a guy who's had problems with fumbles in his career. Uh, does this seem to meet the Harbaugh uh, expectations of the offense a little bit better? Right. So, you know, uh, last year Drake had a decent year for the Ravens, 4.4 yards per carry, a 45% success rate as defined by pro football reference. He's still 29 years old, so he hasn't hit that 30-year-old uh, marker. Um, for comparison, Justice Hill career is 45% success rate, and I wouldn't be surprised if given opportunity, Kenny Drake would be able to take take advantage of uh, lower box counts um, that the Todd Munkin offense is offering some of the running backs. Mm-hmm. They certainly lower box counts both on offense and on defense there because mm-hmm. they don't have the point of attack guy on every play. Um, that, it was one of the really cool things this last week was seeing Munkin be able to adapt very well to running out a football game. To me, one of the biggest points. By the way, we covered that extensively in one last thing with Slava Cooperstein. So I don't want to rehash it, but I but I I was just overwhelmed with how well that went. Absolutely. That was uh just a masterful uh job of play calling, I thought, all the way around, mixing in um mixing everything in and and coordinating, as you said, solving the uh, issues. But the offensive line performance I thought really was a story of the game. Um, as I see it now, I don't see the need to go out and spend uh, either draft picks or additional cap space on a costly running back. When you look around the league, um, you know, Gus fills in for Dobbins last week, 6.2 yards per carry. Jonathan Taylor is holding in. Um, so Zach Moss, the former Buffalo cast off, uh, went for uh, 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, over five yards of carry last week. Then you had that horrific injury to Nick Chubb on, on Monday night. Um, known as the, maybe the best runner in the league, Jerome Ford, a fifth-round rookie, comes mm-hmm. in and uh, puts up 106 yards rushing and a receiving touchdown, uh, almost seven yards per carry. So it's, it really is just a depend, the production is dependent on the scheme and the blocking more than any other position in the, on the field. Yeah, I, I do completely agree with that. I think there is some would be some value in the Ravens, though, if they're going to look around the league anyway, and they've been tied to Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor and, and, you know, they've inquired about them. And I think they need to do their due diligence. They need to drive up the price for other teams uh, that, that might be interested in doing it, especially if they're, if they're the Browns, you know, looking for a running back. But I think that one of the interesting things is they could still do is pick up an R or one cast off at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, as the year goes on, all of the guys who have some really positive qualities at the running back position are going to be either on somebody's roster or signed for next year or injured. And, you know, one of those three. Uh, so th- the Ravens need to really find somebody very early if they're going to do that. Usually right after camp is the time. Uh, and just think about it. If the Ravens had caught Keaton Mitchell, how likely it is he'd be somewhere else right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We saw that last year with Tyler Beatty around the same time of year. Um, I, I do think that uh, they can get by for a few weeks until Mitchell returns, assuming that Hill is not, um, you know, a significant injury. He probably would have been placed on injury reserve if it was a significant injury at this point. So I think you lean on Gus, um, Kenny Drake. And if you can upgrade that Melvin Gordon uh, practice squad spot with a younger player, Certainly now's the time to do so. So they it, they do, let's see, thinking through this a little bit, they have two practice squad elevations. 
is this a week where both of them are going to be running backs then when they've done uh, things? It kind of looks that way, but I'm trying to think. Sam Mustafer was signed to the 53, so they don't need one for him yeah. anymore. The only other place they potentially could would be outside linebacker, depending on OA, Adafi mm-hmm. OA's availability. I could certainly see Jeremiah Moon receiving uh, a call-up to because they also need to be cognizant of not burning Clowney out with too many snaps as they have done in previous years with other outside linebackers. Yeah, a very, very good point. Very good point. Clowney's off to a fantastic start, and you want to make sure you foster that, nurture it, and not overwork it. So uh, I completely agree there. Uh, you know, one thing we really haven't talked too much about is, is how each injury is really a significant blow to not only – the quality at the position, which I think all fans, you know, kind of understand, but also to the cap, because mm-hmm. it's an extra player you need to have on the roster. And the Ravens have done some, frankly, creative and very cheap things in the past to try and actually not use every roster spot every week. Uh, 21, right? The 2021 season, yeah. they were with the 52 man roster for a little time there. There you go. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, that's the only time I can ever remember. Uh, having the injury issues that extreme coupled with the cap ramifications at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, this year they, they have a normal amount of cap space to start the season. It was right around 5 million, a little bit over, which is it's enough to get you through the season. If you don't have an extraordinary number of injuries. Now they haven't sent a bunch of players to IR, which is something we need to talk about, but they, they, they have had injuries where they're having to add players to this roster. And each one of those, if it's a full season vet man guy, it costs you about a million of that five million in terms of of the the cap space. So each one is not cheap, and you know if you're not cursing to some degree at every injury, um, you, you're not uh, uh, you're not really following the cap implications. It's uh, it's just it's it's nasty stuff. But you know you don't want anybody to get hurt. Period. And then you realize just how much this is taking away from from twenty four and future years for each injury that occurs. Yes, definitely. That's uh, something that's often overlooked, I think, by uh, the fan base at large, and it does add up. You know, they are in a position where every penny, you know, pinching pennies, every dollar counts. Now, you mentioned Malik Ham being a guy who, and uh, sorry, uh, not Malik Ham, uh, Moon, being a guy that might come up at outside linebacker, and the Ravens don't have replacements coming at outside linebacker until at least week five with Bowser and Ham potentially both back at that point. I don't. By the way, I don't have any indication that either of those guys is necessarily going to be ready by that point. But uh, nor do I. I, yeah. I. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bowser is still uh, working his way back into playing shape. Um, you know, all summer. I mean, the the knee just kept lingering and lingering and lingering all the way into camp. So he might not be until November. Uh, potentially, mm-hmm. who knows? You know, knock on wood, but it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. And a, and a half season missed, obviously, with Tyus Bowser again, is would be an enormous blow to this defense. They they really need him back, no matter what seems to be going right. Even even playing a team like the Bengals, who's very limited in terms of what they can do down the field with their passing game, with Burrow's injury in particular, and the Ravens playing cover two, they really need a player like Tyus Bowser to vary up their pass rush to drop him from the line of scrimmage and and make use of his coverage talents. Disguise coverages, yes. He's definitely the key man to, for that. Uh, he as well as probably Kyle Hamilton, the two key guys for that uh, mm-hmm. element. Yeah, and, and in a game like this, he had Kyle Hamilton locked into effectively a cover two role, half a half-field cover two role, which was valuable. And and by the way, the, the, the fact that we didn't see Hamilton except for on one very key third and 11 tackle for six yards uh, didn't mean he didn't have a big impact on the game. He did. 
Yeah, definitely. For, for that position, uh, sometimes the less your number's called, the better you're playing. There you go. We've, we've, we've heard that from um, who's the guy? Earl Thomas, right? Sitting yep. on the bench. <laughs> I'm a free safety. You're supposed to not hear my name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Arthur Mollett, um, if they don't make – there isn't really anybody else to take over the slot except for him that I can see this week. I mean, sure, could they put a, a Warley or somebody else temporarily there to get through the game? I think they could, but I, I don't really see another option. Yeah, they. So let's uh, rewind. They signed Mollett before uh, Darby, um, and you know he started, I believe, seven games for Pittsburgh last year. So you know his advanced metrics are not uh, spectacular. Uh, they're pretty, but they're pretty much very similar to uh, Pepe, to be honest, as far as uh, completion percentage, quarterback rating allowed. Um, although he seems to be a little bit better coming forward, you know, getting some tackles, sacks, the slot blitz, which we know is uh, one of McDonald's favorites. Mm-hmm. I really do think you have to give him a lot of chance. You signed him for a reason. You kept him on the roster for a reason uh, ahead of uh, Kyle Ky- Kelly, the draft pick. And now it's his time to uh, to see what he can do. Um, if you have to piece it together with, you know, maybe some safeties or maybe even Rock Yassin uh, coming inside at some point, I think you can do that. But, for this week, week three, the one good thing is they don't necessarily play a strong receiving core or a team that's which three deep with receivers that can really pose matchup problems again until week nine, Seattle, uh, especially with uh, Deontay Johnson, the Steelers man injured. So uh, they do have some time. And when Marlon comes back, um, I would say hopefully Mollette pans out. If not, maybe you can bring back one of uh, Washington or Pepe. Uh, and if not, maybe you give Rocky Cena a chance there and, you know, break glass in case of emergency would be Marlon going into the slot. Yeah. I, I and Before I would make a move like that and moving Marlon to the slot, I'd really be looking heavily at the waiver wire. And it, one of the nice things is that slot corner is a place where you can find guys. Mallette, to go a little further, um, gave up nine point. I just did this on my calculator here. 420 yards on four uh, on uh, sorry 405 yards on 42 I think it was like 9.6 mm-hmm. yards per target last year that's terrible I mean it's mm-hmm. utter, utterly awful um but uh you know it was a guy the Ravens gave 220,000 I believe of guaranteed money so they were a little bit loath to cut him at the end of camp I honestly thought with the injuries and you know, his performance last year and the, the emergence of our Darius Washington he's he'd be a fairly obvious cut not the case at all and uh it kept him yeah, and I think they like his special team's ability as well, career special teamer. You know, we've seen it before. We've seen it many, many times before where a player comes from a different organization and you drop him into the Ravens' defensive system and all of a sudden they're playing much better and their numbers are looking better and they're thriving. So I think that's really what you have to hope for here with Mollette. Fortunately, the schedule is a little bit softer as far as, uh, you know, not too many scary trios of wide receivers coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's an interesting comment about that. I want to I want to really review that and see who the Ravens have facing in these these next few weeks after that. That's but week nine, and that that does seem like a a, a long period of time. Uh, let's talk about um, hmm, uh, is there a need to go out and look at the outside linebacker market at this point with with who the Ravens have, or do you think they're unlikely to get anybody this who gives them much more than Jeremiah Moon does for the for the meantime? Uh, you know, you could sometimes there are, 
you know, uh, edge rushers, older edge rushers kind of hanging around. I didn't look at that one specifically. I know just going back to the slot, um, Fuller is still available. But mm-hmm. Harbaugh made the comment, you know, we're looking for corners that are in shape and want to play. And it didn't seem like there were a whole lot of them left when they signed Darby. So uh, as far as outside linebacker, I could see a move there. I've heard some uh, former colleague, Spencer, who uh, who does the show with Jake. I know you had Jake on this week. Mm-hmm. Um, he was He thinks that. He expects a big move for a pass rusher at the trade trade deadline, which uh, I'm not sure if that would make sense or not. Depends. I'd rather maybe reserve that one last lever, that one last restructure, and see where you really need somebody at that point. Um, And also I believe Malik Harrison's ability to have some versatility as a Sam is probably enough with Moon and Ham coming back and hopefully always ankles not too serious where you can get by. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll take more snaps. He, t- he played two snaps this last week. Looked really good on one of them, tracking down a, a, a receiver for no gain or for a short gain. I forget if it was zero or two, but real nice play on that right sideline. Uh, I do think he'll get more snaps this week, and I think the Ravens really need to figure out how to split those snaps up uh, with OA out. And Ajabo, Tavius Robinson, Clowney, and Harrison – not needing to overwork Clowney in particular, as you said, but also – probably not leading, not overworking either of the two rush linebackers in this, in, in this game, either, either of uh, a Jabo or, uh, or uh, Tavius Robinson, because, you know, they're younger guys and you, you, you need to keep those guys fresh as well. Definitely. Definitely. It is, uh, you know, clowning was up, up close to 80% of snaps last week. I think it was at 78% off the top of my head. And, uh, you know, we've seen that wear down away last year, uh, McPhee or previous years, yeah. Judon previous. I mean, we just don't want to be in a position where here comes December and now you have, you know, some of the toughest games on your slate and your pass rushers just don't have enough juice to get home when, uh, when you really need to down the stretch. Yeah. Fortunately, not a terrible game for total number of snaps. Mm-hmm. So he played 44 out of 57, but that's the upper limit on what I'd, I'd want to see him play. And those games are coming. I still believe where the Ravens are going to have, higher defensive snap counts because of the, the the offense just doesn't run as efficiently as it has this first two weeks. And we're going to see some either more turnovers or whatever lead to, to more um, defensive plays. And when that happens, you got to be even more careful about how you apportion those snaps. Right. The punt return touchdown through, uh, you know, time possession and snap counts a little bit out of whack. Sometimes you almost say it worked in their favor just slightly, but uh yeah, we just need to be cognizant of keeping those pass rushers fresh because we've seen it too many times. Even with Suggs, even with Suggs down the stretch some years, and they said, where did the pass rush go? You know, he had three sacks in, in week 13, and then he was blanked for the rest of the season until the playoffs came. So it happens. Yeah. All right. You know, the other concern. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Concern right now for the Ravens is roster clog. Now we kind of were joking about, not really joking because they might do it at some point this year in terms of them carrying a 51 or 52 man roster, but. They right now have six guys on uh, that could be on IR, let's say. Humphrey, Marcus Williams, who I don't know when he's going to be back, but I find it very hard to believe he's going to be back by week five, so I'm not really sure why they wouldn't IR him at this point. Uh, yeah. Ronnie Stanley, again, don't know when he's going to be back. Again, I don't think it's going to be super quick. Linderbaum, same thing, and I believe his injury is supposed to be a longer-term one. If it's a high ankle sprain, it's all certainly going to be a four-plus-week injury, I would think. Um, Owe, we don't really have a lot of detail on his injury at all. That they say they're keeping it close to the vest. They've now identified it as an ankle. Um, I just don't know what to believe. I mean, you know, I I I think always the worst when they want to keep things close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been uh, John Harbaugh's track record reading the tea leaves. You have to be careful about that. A lot of ankles, you know, the tough divisional game, trench game. Um, it's tough. It's it's tough to have this many. Beckham may not play mm-hmm. this week as well. Um, I think they could be in a position where, you know, we were talking about it last week. You had eight total reactivations throughout a season, including the NFI. Uh-huh. Um, and they are, if they brought everyone back that was expected to come back, that's five of the eight. And now you're also carrying these other, what is it, five or six, as you call them, walking wounded on the mm-hmm. active roster. You might have to play a game without without your full complement of players that are can dress. Yeah, that that obviously would be very bad. And but they're almost there right now. Those six, and let's do a little math here. You have fifty three roster spots for for the team. You have two practice squad elevations per week. So that really gives you an effective roster of fifty five. If you want to think about it. even those two guys, you're putting in jeopardy by keeping on the on the practice squad. Then you have forty nine activations to fill typically, and that includes. OL8, who is number 40, 48. You don't, you don't even, if you don't carry an eighth offensive lineman, you can't use that roster spot for anything else. And QB3, who is number 49. Now, there are teams in the NFL that are not carrying a third quarterback on the roster. And that might actually be a place where the Ravens might say, at some point, we need all these spots here. We gotta, we gotta send Josh Johnson off, or we have to, you know, release Tyler Huntley and hopefully re-sign him to the practice squad because of what's going on right now. But anyway, QB3 and OL8 take up two spots. Those are your 49 activations. Well, 55 minus 49 is six. And that's (laughs) the number of walking wounded the Ravens currently have. So uh, you really hope not to get into the kind of situation. And the Ravens had this one time a few years back when Haloti Nada was on the sideline kind of riding a bike for the whole game. And you hope you don't have a rehabbing player or a player who there's no intention to play him on the on the sideline for a game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you know it's uh just these cluster injuries have been tough to start this year i do think the quarterback three would be the most uh wisest place to just mm-hmm. grab an extra rush but reallocate it to a position where you need it a little bit more right and anything else they would do would be fairly Fairly risky. I mean, I, I I did originally think that Arthur Mollette would would last to the practice squad, but maybe that maybe DaCosta had reasons to think that were that was not true, um, mm-hmm. and that might have play, played into that strategy. 
I don't think you I don't think you slipped Tylen Wallace by, but now at this point in year four, Tylen Wallace is not the kind of valued commodity he would have been earlier where he still had uh sand in the hourglass that that, that was uh, you know potentially undervalued to another team. So it could be a player like that is you know unfortunately cut and attempt to re-sign to the practice squad. I think you need Tylen for special teams. Uh, you know, a lot of these players that are injured are special teamers, and I could see New England Patriots, their receiving core is not uh, anything to be impressed by, they could. I, they, I think they would snap up Tylen Wallace in a minute if he if he hit the the wire. They are the team who would who would do that kind of thing. I just I'd be more fearful they do it ahead of a game with the Ravens as they've done before, right? Uh, than uh, than doing it for that reason. But they would be a team, right? Now another thing you brought up in terms mm-hmm. of uh, you know, some of our planning for the show. Uh, what, introduce the topic, please. Yeah, so. Uh, you know, Gina Stone coming off probably one of his best games as a professional, and he is uh, unrestricted free, heading into unrestricted free agency. And I thought it'd be a worthwhile topic to discuss the pluses and minuses and potential decision making of whether he should be uh, targeted to be brought back. Um, he actually had a void year contract, so there's 600K deferred over the next four years. So there is a little bit of a way to continue deferring. Uh, that, but oh. uh, yeah, uh, seven starts last year, posted a f- approximate value of four, uh, had that pivotal interception, obviously, in week two, probably going to have another five, six starts. I would, I don't know what the plan is with Marcus Williams rehab, but unless you're using some kind of harness to be able to make an open field tackle with a torn pectoral muscle, uh, that's uh, going to be a risky proposition. So uh, yeah. Over the cap uh, has the their valuation metric, which I think they use a combination of snap counts, PFF grades, and market value that they've derived from other recent contracts. They actually right now think Geno is worth sixteen million per season based on the first two, after wow. the first two games. That <laughs> is high praise indeed. He's he's certainly played well, and obviously they're they're weighing very heavily on on a two game PD, uh, PFF score. Yeah, sample but, size. Yep. Yeah. This is this is a. I'm going to try and take the the Vosloricos point of view here as well as I am capable of doing because you and I have have some notable disagreements on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Geno Stone personally, and I would I would love to see him back on a, say a three or nine million dollar deal or something like that. But the the Vos thing you've always mentioned is that the mid range contracts are where you get killed, particularly if you're giving them to backups and you're giving them to guys at non premium positions. Mm-hmm. Now I think Stone has a premium skill set in terms of being a free safety. How do you how do you argue with other Voss on this? Yeah, so my whole thing was depth is not a replacement for star power. But if you can manipulate the cap and use void years so you have the star power, then I'm in favor of depth. I do agree with you that um, free safety skill is a premium skill set, and I've kind of redefined what I believe is premium to, to uh, display that. Um, the question is, you can only have quality. You're not going to be able to have quality backups at every position mm-hmm. next year, next two, three years. So where do you want them? And I think McCary as a left tackle is a place where you want one. And I would actually be in favor of bringing back Gino, letting Patrick Queen walk, going to dime, going back to dime as a, a, a frequently used package, right. and then platooning Trump's, Trent Simpson, um, John Ross, potentially Delshawn Phillips at that weak side spot 
with Gino because um, I think that is a place where it's worth having the depth. He's played well enough. Marcus Williams is still under contract through 26, and they're still pretty much upside down on it through 2025. So the, the, the two – the players you named at inside linebacker at the weak side spot in particular, who could platoon there, first of all, be a tremendous savings for the team as opposed to queen. They'd probably pay in total half as much to those players as they might pay to queen. You might end up paying 6 million, including 3 million to stone and a million to each of the other three. Okay. But, but beyond that, um, you gain a lot of flexibility, first of all, in terms of how you want to do. So if, if, if it's not working out with Simpson in terms of him being a three down linebacker and it well might not, at least initially, uh, linebackers tend to learn coverage things later. And even though Simpson is a converted safety, I think that's, that would be a legitimate fear is that that's not going to work out. So you, you have three guys or two guys who could do it, but also it stocks your special teams core unit there with those four guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So the big question would be, what is the, what is a fair price point? I took a quick look at some of the contracts handed out. Two safeties um, with the proximate skill set. Von Bell, a little bit older than Gino, but he's 29. I believe Gino's 25. He signed for $7.5 million per year. Uh, Juan Thornhill, former uh, second-round pick from the Chiefs, went to uh, Cleveland for $7 million a year. Um, I'm, just for comparison, Chuck Clark was at $5.1 million per year. So I think you're looking at six to seven million um, for Gino, assuming he maintains the level of play he's shown throughout the early part of this season and last season. So you're 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 going the two games in 23 plus all of 22 that he played, and you're saying let's take a look at that entire thing and see what. I mean, I I'm not sure where I'd be if I'm Gino Stone's agent or if I'm Gino Stone. He has an incredible place with the Baltimore Ravens as the special teams captain. Will always be valued here, and he's almost. He's, he's on the railroad tracks. It'd be really hard for him to trip over his own career in such a way that he didn't end up the kind of beloved franchise player like uh, like Anthony Levine was over, over many years here. I, I, I think that probably should be worth something to him. You see him active on Twitter. Obviously, he's very happy after having a big game, period. But you see him active and talking to the Ravens fans. I think he kind of likes that. Uh, I would love for him to play here longer. I don't know that I'm willing to go like five, six million for Geno Stone if he's not going to be the starter. I think it's probably too much. And and it may mean that, that he's one of the players that you have to make a heartbreaking decision about to, to let him go. If it's three and a half million, if it's four million, and he's not, unfortunately, he's not really getting his money early in the typical sense. You want to sign a player early, you've got some divisible benefit on the table. You sign him after year three, not right. during year four. But since he's got to play out year four to really get paid after the season, then there is still a chance that, that, uh, that he could do it, but he's, you know, having already jumped out ahead of the curve in terms of his year four play, um, it wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a few whispers in his ear saying, just, just write it out. You know, you gotta, you gotta do the right thing for yourself and, and, and find the best possible contract in your, what is likely to be his one real big bite at the apple. Sure. Sure. It's just, a, uh, it's one of those tough decisions and I don't have a strong, Feeling one way or another, there's certainly benefits to it. I think there's a lot of benefits to having a third very capable safety that allows you to go dine. Um, just as it's beneficial to have a Patrick McCarry who can back up, back up, just as beneficial to have a Broderick Washington, who I don't necessarily think is a long-term starter, but he's probably your fourth defensive lineman mm-hmm. going forward. Um, and they, these are the choices Eric Acosta has to make. What positions do I want to have 
better than average depth and what positions am I okay having worse than average depth? Yeah, I, I com completely agree with that. And, and obviously every one of those decisions is going to be more critical this year. I want to have two things, but I want to go back to Stone for a second. It has been atypical for the in Ravens history, and they've been an exceptional selector of dimes during the entire Ozzy and DaCosta era. But if you look at, at what Ozzy did to pay for these dimes, he always went sixth round draft pick, seventh round draft pick, UDFA, or occasionally a marginalized talent signed for, for the vet minimum from other places. But it's mostly it's and, and that was really what Corey Harris was. Uh, you know, a, a really a, a very modest contract when he came to the Ravens for four years. But they've been able to get by with basically paying nothing for their dime back play, which basically means they never had to pay too much for the weak side linebacker spot, period, other than when they paid Bart Scott the, the for on his second deal. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I just I, I it would be my belief we're not going to see a first time ever. $15 million three-year deal for Stone, unfortunately, even if he deserves it and even if he's almost certain to get it somewhere else. Uh, I just I don't think the Ravens are going to do that if Hamilton and Williams look like they're going to be healthy for 24. Well said. Very well said. The only way would be to have Williams coming back to be your nickel, and then you then Gino's worth that money maybe as a starter. But uh, very well said. Williams coming? Oh, Hamilton, you mean? Coming sorry, back Hamilton. Did I say yeah. Williams? Yeah, it's okay. It's Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, um, let me, let's, let's talk about one other player who, and, and the Ravens don't have a huge bevy of players that they can think about re-signing. Broderick Washington was really the big one. Matt Abike is going to be way out of their price range, even though he hasn't really started the season particularly well. But the other guy who could be potentially a long-term Ravens special teamer slash defender is Malik Harrison. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. where, where would you be on re-signing him to a two-year extension to his current deal, perhaps in the vet minimum plus a minimal bonus kind of level? That's where I would be, a minimal vet min plus minimal bonus. And the way I would – the way I uh, separate Malik and Gino is Gino does have that rare skill set on defense that Malik doesn't necessarily have. So they're both core special teamers. They're both – Top, top two, three special teamer on the team, but you can't go out and find somebody with Gino's instincts and range. You can find a thumper pretty much anytime you want. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing that Gino, that Harrison gives, to be fair to him, is he gives you versatile versatility at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, and they've really leaned on him as exclusively an outside linebacker. In fact, in in my defensive um, spreadsheet. I have to decide where I put him, and I, I've just moved him to outside linebacker this year because I think that's where he'll get most of his snaps. Albert McClellan had that, yes. and yes. Uh, Jared Johnson had that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Ravens haven't had a whole lot of guys who were legitimate inside-outside guy. Kamali Correa was supposed to be that, and he wasn't. So McClellan's really the one that comes to mind uh, that, that really sure. started games at both places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and he's a pure comp in terms of, of – of, uh, of being that uh, uh, that guy long-term who was a special teams player too. And the Albert McClellan special deal was, you know, the vet minimum plus maybe 400,000 in signing bonus uh, every other year. And and I think it's a, it's a good model to go for with Harrison. Uh, I think there is a pretty good chance, especially if stone leaves. I think Harrison probably takes over the special teams unit. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe he's the personal protector on punts instead of being somewhere in the line of the, he may be too valuable as a bigger body. Right. to not be up there blocking, but but uh, uh, good chance he's a special teams captain next year. Yeah, I'd like to see Harrison brought back 
for the right price, which is not very much more than veteran minimum. Yeah. Outstanding. Voss, always a pleasure to do this show with you. Tell folks where they can find your work online. I am on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I am a co-managing editor and writer for Baltimore Beatdown. And I also have another podcast that live streams every Thursday night called The Raven's Way. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, uh, make sure you hit me up with a DM on Twitter. You know by now that that uh, those are always open. I've got some great ideas that have just come in in the last few days, uh, but I'm always looking for more. And in particular, there'll be a lot of opportunity on the bye week. Let's get an idea developed by then so that you're ready to go and uh, and uh, talk to me about it when that comes. And uh, I, I really appreciate all the new people I've met through that process. So for Ken McCusick and uh, Vasilis Larikos, uh, thank you very much for watching, uh, for listening again <laughs> to, to this episode of Friday Morning GM. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.